Welcome to the Kaleidoscope of Possibilities, Alternative Perspectives on Mental Health. My name is Dr. Adriana Popescu. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist and leader in the field of mental health, energy psychology, addiction, trauma, and empowerment. In this podcast, we will be exploring mental health from a variety of perspectives, from the spiritual to the shamanic and beyond. What if mental illness isn't everything we think it is? What if everything we see as a pathology is actually a possibility? What else is possible with mental health? Hi everyone, Dr. Adriana Popescu here with you today with another episode of Kaleidoscope of Possibilities, Alternative Perspectives on Mental Health. I am really excited today to have with me Esther Nicholson. She is the author of Soul Recovery, 12 Keys to Healing Dependence. She's a speaker, recovery coach, recording artist, and recovering addict who brings her incredible journey of transformation to a practical curriculum, addressing the root causes of dependence as they occur in contemporary living. Her soul recovery programs expand the traditional concept of 12-step recovery into spiritual practices that have served thousands. As a gifted vocal artist, Nicholson's musical career include worldwide tours with Rod Stewart and Bette Midler, with appearances on such TV shows as Oprah, The Tonight Show, The View, Good Morning America, and The Ellen DeGeneres Show. Esther has inspired thousands with her keynotes at conference events, including one that we recently both spoke as at. Um, Esther is a trusted advisor on the She Recovers and NAATP DEI committees, and is instrumental in shifting the business as usual practices of treatment providers with her workshop, Healing Bias and Racism in Recovery for Industry Leaders. I'm so excited to have you here with us today, Esther. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Welcome. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, I always like to start off with asking our guests to tell us a little bit about yourself, your journey. How did you get to where you are now doing what you're doing? Um, what was that process like for you? God, I hope that doesn't take up our whole 30 minutes. I'm going to <laughs> try to be brief. But um, in short, uh, I just celebrated 36 years of recovery on November 1st. And I'm very grateful for that. But I remember um, before I, I started my recovery journey, you know, I was, I was addicted horribly to crack cocaine. Um, my daughter was removed from my care. Um, I slept on anyone's couch who, who would allow me to sleep on their couch until they wouldn't allow me to anymore. And that was my motivation to finally go into treatment. And even then it took me two years to, to string 30 days together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, um, one day I was in my, I, I finally, you know, someone got me an apartment or something and I was in my apartment and you know, thinking I was fine. I was going to some meetings and all of a sudden that obsession hit me, you know, where you, your, your stomach turns over and you have to go to the bathroom and my mouth started watering and my heart started palpitating and all other, any reasoning thought just left my mind. This just overwhelming obsession and craving came over me and I didn't have on any shoes and it had hit me so hard that I didn't take time to put on my shoes. I just ran out into the street to grab a, a taxi and uh, to take me to Dunsmere and Pico, 
which at that time were the, the you know, that's where the drug dealer lived in Los Angeles. And uh, when I got in the taxi, uh, he turned around to face me in the back seat, the cab driver, and he said, young lady, please don't kill yourself today. Like he knew the neighborhood where I was asking him to take me. And it's not, that wasn't the magical, that wasn't magical, or that wasn't an extraordinary moment because I'd been asked a million times by a million different people, you know, why are you killing yourself? Please don't kill yourself today. What was magical, magical about this moment was that it was a culmination of all of my bottoms. And it was grace. Like I was given this moment, like when he looked in my eyes where the fog of separation from my soul dissipated. And I caught a glimpse of who I really was without my traumas, without my fears, without my anxiety, without the, the addiction. And I felt just in an instant, it, it felt like it felt like five minutes, but it was probably an instant where I felt like I was home and I knew I had never left, mm. that I had only dreamt that I had left, but I had never left. And there was no, there was a peace and a beauty and a loveliness and a confidence and a clarity. And I knew it was me. And then bam, the veil parted again. Mm -hmm. I got in that in that glimpse that I could either insist that the taxi take me to Dunsmere and, T and Pico and I was going to die that day mm -hmm. or I could get my ass out of that car out of that cab and go back into my apartment and call someone mm -hmm. from the program and say I'm going to die I, I knew it I knew I knew that that was the fork in the road that either I was gonna to choose to live or I was gonna to choose to die. And so when I went back to meetings, um, I really took the 12 steps off of the wall and really started studying them as spiritual principles, which they are intended to be. And I think a lot of people misunderstand the 12 steps or are turned off by the 12 steps because they think that the meetings or the rooms or the people are representative of the steps. Right. And they are not. The 12 steps, whether you call them the 12 steps or just spiritual principles or scripture or you know any uh, uh, self-mastery um, modality that we're looking at, they're still those steps, you know, maybe in different forms, but but they're the things that we have to do in order to allow our ego to feel safe enough to get out of the way, to tap into our authentic self. So when I started um, really studying and practicing these principles, layer after layer of who I thought I was started to fall away. And I got sober. And next thing I knew I had a year. And um, so when, um, so, so, you know, it was like, okay, so now, you know, crack cocaine is no longer my problem, but I was still suffering from such anxiety and feelings of unworthiness and not enoughness and all of that, right? Mm -hmm. And so I discovered on my journey that of course, you know, they always talk about the addiction that, you know, cocaine or alcohol or whatever it is that you're addicted to is just the symptom, but I really got it. It was like, oh, I'm not addicted to cocaine. I'm not addicted to bad relationships. I'm not addicted to sugar. I'm addicted to my illusion, my false identity 
of unworthiness, not enoughness, and that the addiction that is the, found, the, the foundation of that addiction is the belief that I'm separate and apart from God, my soul, my source. And so I had to find a way to bridge the gap between the 12 steps of these, these principles that are everywhere and everything and metaphysical principles, which the 12 steps are metaphysical principles, but I had to find my oneness with, you know, I was having the spiritual experience, but intellectually the spiritual, spiritual experience was still outside of myself. Yeah. So, so in, in uh, practicing ancient teachings um, and, and new thought, um, I, I came into the realization of, oh, wow, the spiritual experience is actually me. Mm -hmm. I'm one with it. I'm one with this power that we call God, which then, which then shifted my recovery to a whole nother level. And, um, and then I was like, I have to teach this, you know, and of course we get to teach our testimony. Mm -hmm. We get to teach, you know, our evolution and that's how soul recovery, um, was, was uh, created in the recovery, the rediscovery, and the reawakening to our soul because that's what happened to me in that taxi. Yeah, that day was I had recovered, I had rediscovered something about me that had gotten lost, and then I had to go on the journey of rediscovering that and reawakening to that, right, and remembering that. So that's what soul recovery is, and uh, you know that's what brought me here to this day. Well, thank you for sharing that. And, you know, I think both of us working with people in recovery, you know, the clients sometimes struggle with this idea of spirituality. And like you said, they see it as something outside of themselves. There's this higher power that is this nebulous thing. I don't even know what it is. Maybe they grew up in a religious tradition that has some specific belief systems, but that I am separate from this thing and this, this, this higher power is judging me and all. And, and they really struggle to even understand what spirituality is much less how to have any kind of connection with, or that knowing that you, that you've described the knowing of that oneness. Like, how do you, how do you handle that with folks when they're really lost on that? Thank you so much for asking that question. I'm ready. <laughs> I, when I'm with clients, um, you know, who I take through my program, we spend about three weeks to a month on doing um, uh, higher power spirituality therapy mm -hmm. because so many people have been traumatized by um, the misunderstanding of that and the abuse of that, which isn't spirituality at all. It was something else called spirituality, right? right. And so when, because I am a 12 step person and we look at that third step of making a decision to turn my self will, my limited will, my fearful will, my disconnected will and my life over to the care of something higher than myself. You know, we do a lot of tapping on that. We do a lot of talking about that um, and, and educating them that the self, the higher self higher power that they're turning their will and their life over to is actually their higher self. It is actually their real self. Yeah. It is that, that part of you that maybe you don't even remember catching a glimpse of it, or maybe you don't even remember ever experiencing it, but it's that part of you that you dream about. 
Mm -hmm. You never thought, you know, so, so to like just break it down in, in terms that, you know, because we're always trying to break down something in a way that the person sitting in front of us can understand, right? right. So it's, it's that part of you that you've always dreamt about, but you didn't dare to dream it. Mm -hmm. That's the real you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if, and if you could get behind turning yourself over to a power that is within you, that's got your back. Mm -hmm that adores you, that cherishes you, that loves you, that doesn't judge you, that only sees the highest, you know, I don't, I don't know if, uh, you know, I, I had this kind of dad. I don't know if you've had these kind of parents or anyone listening, but I remember when I first started smoking marijuana and my dad was a Baptist minister mm -hmm. and my mom said, Buck, his name was Buck. And they call me Dimples. <laughs> Dimples is smoking that, that, that stuff. <laughs> right. And my dad said, looked at me and he said, not my baby. Mm. Not my baby. She's she's not doing that. So that's the way our higher power, the higher version of us, which we call the soul, mm -hmm. it doesn't see your mistakes. Right. It doesn't see all this crazy stuff that you think about yourself. In right. essence, it's saying, not my baby. Right. My baby's perfect. Yeah. My baby is the beloved. That's what my baby is. And so when we can get behind that, it's like, would you turn your will and your life over to a love like that? Mm -hmm. I'm like, of course. I'm like, let's roll with that. Yeah. You know, um, it's like our friend, you know, TJ Woodward talks about the essential self or the authentic self, which I think is is just the same concept you're referring to. And and clients sometimes when they when they come, especially to to treatment, you know, like a recovery program, um, they feel so broken and so defective and just the shame is just, they're just riddled with shame and, and then mental health things, anxiety, depression, you know, all the, all of it. And they, they are so disconnected from that essence, that true essence as their soul. And so sometimes what I share with them is it will look at, look at children, look at young children, like before they get conditioned and programmed and all the things Absolutely. the young the young children the babies that sparkle in their eye the joy of just looking around or playing with a toy or whatever it is and the they're freedom. so yes and they're and they're just present in this moment they're not worrying about the future they're not dwelling on the past like that is that essence and sometimes when I explain it to them in that way they they understand that because you know some of them are parents or or they they see that in children and I and I say but that essence has always been within you and it's still there you've just gotten disconnected from right. it absolutely absolutely yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so how else in, in your work with clients? Yeah. How else do you help them with reconnecting? You mentioned tapping and, and some of the folks, I mean, we've certainly talked about tapping on the show before, but maybe somebody who's tuning in for the first time might not know what that is. Can you tell us about what tapping is and how you work with it in your practice? Well, tapping is um, a combination of Chinese acupuncture and spiritual psychology. And I look at, um, tapping from this perspective, from, from, from the perspective of, of one of the perspectives from the law of attraction, let's say, right? That the law of attraction, the subjective mind, the unconscious mind responds to what we put into it, right? And what we emotionally, what we emotionally feel, our emotion, our emotional dominant, our, our 
dominant emotions creates a vibration. And this vibration, we, we create our own personal law. We create our own personal universe. And that's how we see everything. So as you know, we don't see things as they, they are. We see things as we are, or we yeah. see things as we think we are. So your higher self only sees you as the beloved only sees you as perfection. That's the love of the universe. Mm -hmm. But the laws of the universe can only reflect back to you what you think you are. Right. Right. So how I approach tapping is looking at the condition or the experience or the symptom first. Mm -hmm. Right. And we start on that setup point sometimes, you know, depending on if we're doing a long version of EFT or faster EFT right? Sometimes something is so deep, we need to just, we just need to do the long version, right? Um, of, of looking at the condition that was created, looking at the symptom or the experience. So we do a round of tapping on that. And then we do a round of tapping on the emotions behind the condition, because there's always an emotion attached to the experience, right? And then after we tap on the emotions, then we tap on the deep core beliefs yes. because spiritual principle says it's not done into you as you want. It's done into you as you really, really, really believe about yourself. Mm -hmm. So then we start tapping on those beliefs and we start tapping on the patterns. And then we give ourselves per permission to embrace and accept and own everything that we just said, the condition, the patterns, the emotions, the beliefs. And then we give ourselves permission to let it go as we're tapping, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Understanding that it's not the part that created the condition that's letting it go. It's your higher self that's dissolving it into the nothingness from which it came, mm -hmm. right? And so that's how I look at tapping. It's like we, we deal with the condition, but in order to deal with the condition and the pattern, we have to look at the emotions that created the pattern. And we have to look at the beliefs that created the emotions. Mm -hmm. And when the beliefs and the emotions are dissolved, the pattern's going to dissolve. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think people um, sometimes in traditional substance abuse treatment don't quite go that deep with it. You know, they think, well, all you need to do is just stop, just stop drinking, you know, go away to a program for 30 days and you'll be cured. Right. Um, mm -hmm. Stop drinking, stay away from the drug dealers. Um, you know, delete them from your phones, like behaviors, right? Mm -hmm. And and we know that it's so much more than that. Like you right. just so beautifully stated, like we can we have to look at what's causing the behavior, right? It's some sort of emotional state. Maybe it's unresolved trauma. I want to talk about that a little bit with you as well. Maybe it's these belief systems that are like the subconscious programs, like like a computer, you know, our subconscious mind is like a computer and it runs on programs. And sometimes those programs are glitchy and not and defective, you know, and they're telling you right. really bad things about yourself. But they're still operating on the hard drive. You exactly. know, so I look at that as like all the documents that we open up in, in the course of a day, right, that we might minimize. So they might not be in our field of awareness, but they're still there. They're still, they haven't been closed out. Right. You know, so between the steps and tapping, and meditation and affirmative word of, you know, I call it affirmative prayer or affirmative, if that word triggers someone, then affirmative word, which is simply aligning with your higher self. 
It's not praying to something outside of you to do something for you and kick you down some mercy if you happen to be good enough that day. Mm -hmm. right? it's, it's you speaking the word for yourself, aligning with the truth about you. Yes. That's, all, that's what prayer is, is aligning with that which is already true about you that you have forgotten. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about trauma because we know that so much of, of addiction comes from and with trauma. It's kind of the chicken and the egg, right? Like they, they're, they're woven together. Yeah. How, how do you work with that in, in your practice with your clients and, and with your principles that you're using? How do you address the trauma? Well, trauma happens like in that moment, right? That something like impacted you. So, in you know, so, so powerfully it impacted you, but it's not that impact that create, you know, that, that causes the trauma to continue. It's the perception that you've taken on as a result of that experience. So mm -hmm. let's say if you have an accident, for instance, now you've taken on the perception that you're never safe. Right. Right. So, you know, you're, you're, you've been traumatized by that, or you have, you've had a, a relationship that ended abruptly or ended. Right. And that's, you know, so it's not that the relationship ended in that moment, that was a, a, a painful experience, but now that experience is over, but what you have taken on about that experience about yourself is what the, the trauma is and what keeps the wound bleeding. Right. Yes. Until, yes. until it's dealt with. So between like, you know, for instance, like the first step of recovery, we admit that we're powerless over alcohol or drugs and our lives have become unmanageable. And I do for myself and I take people in, it's like, I, you know, I admit that I of myself, this part of myself that's so scared and so traumatized, I am powerless over this trauma. Mm -hmm. I'm powerless over how I react to it. I'm powerless over how I try to resist it. I'm powerless over trying to fix it. I'm powerless over giving into it. Mm -hmm. And when I do, my life becomes unmanageable because it creates a sense of separation from my true self, right? Mm -hmm. So that's step one. Step two, I'm coming to believe that a power greater than myself, which is my real self, mm -hmm. can restore me to my real self before the trauma even happened, right? And I'm turning my will and my life over to the care of my real and true self, whatever it is that you call that. Mm -hmm. And then we'll go to the trauma, we'll go directly to the trauma and we'll tap, you know, if you're a 10, we're gonna tap on that until we get you as close to a zero as possible. And, you know, there are some other exercises in that tapping, like, you know, seeing your life on a blackboard and your trauma and all of that anxiety and all of those thoughts and all of that pain played out on a blackboard. What does that blackboard look like? It's chaotic. It's crazy. It's, you know, cray cray, right? It's all over right. the place. Yep. So, you know, we step up to that blackboard and we start erasing from top to bottom, left to right while we're tapping. Now we have a blank blackboard, mm -hmm. right? And now I invite you to step into the blackboard and become blank, become mm -hmm. nothing, mm -hmm. become nothing. Because in this nothingness, you are everything. Mm. I'm releasing even as I'm saying that. In this nothingness, you are everything. And you are light. And you are safe. Because there's nothing 
you're, you're not safe because there's nothing to be protected from here. Right. You right. just are. You're just well, being, right? Yeah, in, in the presence of light, I would say this, in the presence of light, darkness cannot exist. Right, right. Such a simple concept, but right. like so profound. And I yeah. think that's what you're speaking to Absolutely. is how do we help people connect with that lightness within that's that, right. they, that has become quite dark. Absolutely. And, and so, you know, every, you know, it, it has its place to, 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 to talk about, of course, to continue to talk about the trauma, to work it out or whatever. I try not to pull over and park there in the story too long mm -hmm. because it just continues to re-trigger and re-injure. Mm -hmm. And because we are so such powerful beings and our minds are all powerful, that the more that we repeat we repeat the story the more we recreate it and you know even if it's not happening it feels like it's happening yes exactly. so we want to get out of that you know we want to honor that absolutely mm -hmm. we want to honor the little girl the little boy the inner child we want to start nurturing them and mm -hmm. loving them you know sometimes i say to and of course i say this to my clients because i say this to myself everything that i teach i do just like you mm -hmm. So there are times when something could be so um, at a place of unrest within you that you can do the steps, you can tap, you can pray, you can talk to people, and you're still restless and you're still anxious. Mm -hmm. And I liken that, I like to use the analogy of, of, of a, a colicky baby, mm. right? where the mom will say, I, I've changed this baby. I've changed the diaper. You know, I've, I've fed them. I've gave them their medicine. If they need medicine, I've rocked them. You know, I've done, I've done everything I can do. And this baby is still crying. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, when I see that I've done everything that I've been guided to do to help my inner child, it's time then to just rock the baby. Mm -hmm. She doesn't want to be fixed. Mm -hmm. She needs to just be and let these emotions just be. Yes. Because, you know, I have been addicted. I've been guilty of it. I have been addicted to trying to fix the pain. I have a very low tolerance for pain. You know, trying to fix the fear, trying to fix the anxiety, trying to fix whatever's going on with me immediately. It's like, I have no tolerance for this at all. Yep. <laughs> right? Yeah. Right. And then I had to realize, you know what? It's not going away until it's time for it to go away. Yes. And and there's something, you know, I'm also a scripture girl. I, I add all of that in. And there's uh, Jacob, I, I think. I'm not that much of a scripture girl. I remember people's names. <laughs> but anyway, Jacob said. <laughs> Somebody said. <laughs> I said it. I know they said it. Uh, that I will not, that I will wrestle with this angel all night. And I will not let it go until it blesses me. Mm -hmm. So sometimes... I'm getting ready to cry. Sometimes something has to be, something has to just be there because it's there as such a blessing because we really need this breakthrough. We really need the blessing of this thing. And so it's not going to go away just because we've done all the tools. Right. Mm -hmm. it, you know, and then you finally surrender and say, okay, is it here to bless me? I just had an experience with a neighbor who has one of those hyped up sports cars mm -hmm. that they start like at six o'clock in the morning mm -hmm. outside of my bedroom window. Mm -hmm. I was livid. Mm -hmm. I was resistant. I was going to make it go away. I was going to talk to everybody. It just all this kind of stuff until 
I realized I couldn't make it go away, that it was outside of my control. Mm-hmm. And then I said, this has come to bless me. Mm. How has this come? Okay, I'm open for the blessing of this noisy yeah. neighbor. Yeah. What it has forced me to do is like, I'm not going to lay in bed and fume. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not helpful. Right. I can't make them change. Right. That ain't going to happen. What I'm going to do? I'm going to get up a half hour early and go up to my womb room with my candles where I can't hear them. Mm-hmm. And now they don't exist to me. <laughs> you know, it's like, and, and it's like, oh my God, and this is so healthy. I get to go to yoga earlier and I'm more centered because I'm getting up a half an hour earlier. And yeah. it's like, so it, it, it came to bless me because your higher self is always saying, grow beloved, grow. Mm-hmm. And we resist that next step of growing until something like that happens. It's like, you gonna grow now or are you gonna just lay in bed and fume and be pissed off every day? Well, yeah, and stay in a victim consciousness, right? That's what that is. It's yeah. and and so much I think of the work that we do with clients in recovery is about empowerment. You've given your power away yeah. to all these external people, places, and things. Mm-hmm. You've given your power away to your trauma and to your story. You've given mm-hmm. your power away to the drugs and alcohol or whatever other addictive thing you've got, right? So mm-hmm. it's about taking your power back, recognizing like the serenity prayer, which you do and do not have control over and focusing on the things that you do. And you, you gave us just such a beautiful example of how that works in day-to-day life. Absolutely. Well, well, here's the, you know, take from, from a soul recovery perspective, right? Mm -hmm. I don't have the power to give you my power. Mm -hmm. I have the power to realize and remember my power. Mm. I never gave away my power. I thought I did. I don't have the power to give away my power. I'm the power. Mm, You're the power. How are you going to give away what you are? You can't, but you've forgotten. So, so, so through your spiritual practice, you remember your power. Mm -hmm. It never went away. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. You also have spoken about the importance of forgiveness and also accountability. Those are kind of the two other areas I really wanted to explore with you. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Forgiveness, and I will always say this from the um, human consciousness, right? And we are spiritual beings having a human experience. But when we try to forgive from our human consciousness versus our higher consciousness, mm-hmm. we're just kind of moving the, the pieces around, mm-hmm. you know? It's like, so normally people will say, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to be the bigger person and I'm going to forgive this person Mm -hmm. or it's in the past. You know, I'm going to leave the past where it is, you know, because time heals all wounds. And I share that time doesn't heal all wounds. Consciousness heals wounds. Yes. Right. And so if we're looking at vibrational frequencies, you know, here's, here's, here's you and here's the person that you resent and you're a perfect vibrational match. Mm-hmm. right? Because that's how the spiritual law works. Mm-hmm. And you decide from a human perspective, I'm going to forgive and I'm going to let this go, right? And, you know, maybe some energy has moved just from that intention. So you raise your energy a little bit here and it doesn't bother you as much. Mm-hmm. But if that person comes into your view mm-hmm. or somebody reminds you, <laughs> yep. right, you're, you're right back in the, in, in the battle, yes. right? Yes. So um, that level of forgiveness, it's better than nothing, but it's not sustainable. Mm-hmm. But when we do radical forgiveness, 
from the perspective of this person is a blessing. It's, it's not giving them a pass. It's not undermining what happened or any of that. It's acknowledging all of that. Mm-hmm. But when I can look at the, um, the emotions that this resentment has triggered, unworthiness, betrayal, abandonment, because that's why we are resentful. That's why we're not forgiving is because I feel resent, I feel abandoned, betrayed, mm-hmm. dismissed, all of that kind of stuff. And when, when we can look at that from higher consciousness, from radical forgiveness, is that the truth about you? Mm-hmm. That you have been dismissed, abandoned, betrayed, rejected? Is that really the truth about you? Or is that what the beliefs that we've been indoctrinated with to think that that's true? Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So when we can allow those, because it's only those emotions that's keeping you in the unforgiveness. Mm-hmm. It's not even the situation anymore. No. It's those emotions that's keeping you in the unforgiveness. So yeah. between um, inner child work and taking responsibility for your part mm-hmm. and self-forgiveness and self-accountability and self-compassion, mm-hmm. what happens is your frequency just explodes and either this situation or this person levels up or they vibrate out. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And so my other work of the new training that I've been doing for the past eight months called Compassionate Accountability, Healing Unconscious Racial Bias, mm-hmm. which we know that there's so many layers of the pain and trauma and resentment mm-hmm. um, and fear and anxiety and defensiveness and all of that mm-hmm. that is going on in this world around yes. racism and bias. Mm-hmm. And my... Um, take on this is that a new approach must be at hand. Yes. That we cannot just stay angry no. and continue to blame shame and, you know, blame white people for being white and blame other people for being who they are and, you know, stay in our trauma. Mm-hmm. It's like, there has to be compassionate accountability for all of us. So this training is about taking recovery professionals and also to other organizations through the process of the 12 steps. Wow. To really be able and in a safe place to be able to really just lay bare your soul. And I tell people, I tell um, my participants, if you're waiting for me, you know, the white folks, if y'all waiting for me to shame you, this is not the training for that, you know, <laughs> and, um, and, 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 and black folks, if, if, if you're, you know, waiting for me to like only, you know, take up for us, that's not going to happen either. I'm not about white or a black about black. I'm about healing. Yes. Let's heal. Mm-hmm. Let's just get down to the nitty gritty and heal this thing. Right. You know? And we can't do that. Yeah. When the blaming and the shaming is there, all it does is causes people to shut down. It's the same as why the old approach to, um, you know, addiction recovery was so accusative. You're an addict, you're in denial. You need to do it like that. That never worked well for people because it just puts you back in that shame place. And from there you're, you're paralyzed. You can't make a change. Well, that's just relationship one-on-one. Yeah. Is that when you're attacking someone and yeah. accusing them, 
yeah. the conversation is over before it even gets started. So my approach is let's open hearts before we shut them down. You know, let's, yeah, let's, let's not shut down hearts before we've had a chance to open them. And some people on this planet are just not ready for this. No, that's Some true. people on this planet are addicted to their racism mm -hmm. and their position. Mm -hmm. Some people are addicted to their anger yes. and their trauma. Yes. And they're going to hold on to it until they leave this planet. And I have compassion for them too. Mm -hmm. It's not their time yet. Mm -hmm. But there are many people on this planet who's like, oh my God, thank you, God, a different conversation, a new yes. conversation, a new way to heal this. That's, that's really wonderful, Esther. And, and the time is now, I mean, yeah. more than ever. I mean, we've, we've, we're so polarized. We're, there's so much, every day you're reading articles or in the news, it's just hatred, acts of hatred, acts of violence all around. I mean, people have lost their minds. It's, it's, all, the, it's all the illusion of separation. Yeah. It's yeah. all the illusion of separation. And, and I tell people, I want you to look at the insanity of comparing traumas. Right. Really? Like, you know, it's, it's like, so my, your trauma is, is no worse than mine. And my trauma was 20 million times worse than yours. It's like, so it, that may be so, mm -hmm. but it's the same healing that's going to heal us. It's right. not comparing the trauma that's going to heal the trauma. Right. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Esther, so you're doing so many wonderful things out there. If people who are watching or listening want to find out more, where do they go? Uh, soulrecovery.org is my website. And if you're interested in the kind of work that I'm talking about, I have a wonderful, very inexpensive $49, 21-day to your authentic self program. Just go to Esther Mail, that's E-S-T-E-R, Mail, M-A-I-L, dot com. And it's 21 days of two-minute meditation clips, uh, six uh, tapping videos, affirmative prayer, journaling. It's, it's like, you know, go on this 21-day journey mm -hmm. and follow it and come home to who you really are. Thank you so much, Esther, for being with us today. This has really been a beautiful conversation and really inspiring. I really um, enjoyed it. Thank you. Yeah. Any final thoughts you want to leave us with? Hmm. I just honor everyone on their journey. Exactly where you are is perfect. And you are unfolding and evolving just perfectly. And I was just in the fetal position like maybe four nights ago. So I don't want you to look at me as a teacher and say, oh my God, she's perfect. Mm -hmm. It's like, I am perfect as in my, in my higher self, but in my human self, it's like, there are still times when I forget too, that I'm enough, that I'm worthy, but I'm so grateful that I have, you know, it's like, I can always return. I can always return to these tools. And, you know, I, I tell people don't worship the tools, mm -hmm. use the tools, yes. worship what they bring you to, which is your real self. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Thank you so much, Esther. And thank you everyone for tuning in today. If you've liked this podcast, please do comment, share, rate it, just get it so that we can get it out there and in the hands of more people. 
so they can know that there are, there is hope, there are tools, there are ways to reconnect with your true, authentic, essential soul self. Um, and thank you so much again, Esther, for being with us today. See you next time on Kaleidoscope of Possibilities. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Kaleidoscope of Possibilities, Alternative Perspectives on Mental Health. This has been Dr. Adriana Popescu. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe and share with others. To find out more about me, my guests, and more, please visit my website at adrianapopescu.org. See you next time.